0: Hello, I'm Cheryl McFadgen and you're listening to Holistic Journeys. I hope this series will illuminate your life and that these stories of empowerment will inspire you. Miranda Keeping graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology and Masters of Physical Therapy from the University of Saskatchewan. Miranda has completed three levels of pelvic floor physiotherapy training. This includes treatment of incontinence, involuntary leaking of urine, organ prolapse, pelvic pain, bladder pain, and persistent low back pain, referring to and from the pelvic floor. Miranda encompasses her core philosophy of having open and honest communication in a judgment-free setting. Beyond a pelvic floor specialty, Miranda has deeper education in persistent pain and nervous system hypersensitivity for those who have struggled with long-term pain In any area of the body. Miranda is also trained in intermuscular stimulation, also known as dry needling. She uses what she has learned to complement her fundamental treatment approach of exercise, education, and empowering her clients. On her time off, Miranda tries to stay active with hiking, biking, and tennis. She also loves to spend time with her cat, friends, and family. Welcome to Holistic Journeys, Miranda. Let's talk today about pelvic floor. I understand pelvic floor covers a wide variety of areas and issues. Let's talk openly about the things that most people are too shy or not comfortable to discuss, like incontinence, constipation, painful intercourse, prolapsed organs. Can you explain to the listeners what pelvic floor therapy is and what conditions or issues could pelvic floor physiotherapy help with? I know I just mentioned a few, but can you explain them a little bit more in depth?
1: Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this. Um, All of the things that you mentioned were absolutely correct, talking about different issues and challenges that people struggle with regarding their pelvic floor. So this can involve incontinence of urine or feces. So There are a couple different kinds of incontinence. There's stress incontinence, which a lot of women struggle with. When coughing, sneezing, laughing, jumping on a trampoline, they'll have some leaking. And then there's also urgency incontinence, where you find that you just can't get to the bathroom on time. And when you have an urge, you have to go absolutely now. With some leaking, you can also have different types of prolapses. So like you said, organ prolapse, you can have prolapse of the bladder, the uterus, the rectum. Um, Pelvic floor physio can be very helpful with that. And in terms of intercourse, there can be discomfort with intercourse or inability to even have intercourse um, because there's so much pain involved. Um, There's also just painful pelvic floor. So just feeling crampy, um, in the pelvic floor area, the lower abdomen. You can also have pelvic floor pain reproduced as low back pain and hip pain. So I'll have a lot of individuals come to me who have persistent or chronic low back pain and nothing seemed to have helped. And this is kind of their last resort. And a lot of the time while I'm doing the assessment, their low back pain will be reproduced. So pelvic floor physio can involve more than just treating the pelvic floor itself it can also involve treating other areas of of pain and of issues and so it's it's really a wonderful area of physio that I think is becoming more popular now it's starting to be talked about and this makes me very excited a lot of my clients of Um, pelvic floor are word of mouth clients. So their friends were talking about it and they didn't know what it was and they're just trying it out. And it's just, it's extremely, extremely rewarding and beneficial. And I think that all women should try it out. So it's, it's just a very wide, broad area of issues that can be treated with pelvic floor physio.
0: So with painful intercourse, I know most most clients, like for me as massage therapist, I never have a client come to me and say, Cheryl, I have painful intercourse. That's just something that they would typically think massage or muscles wouldn't help with. Um, so a lot of times they go to a doctor. Now, do you get a lot of doctor referrals? And and how, how, can, uh, how can pelvic floor help with painful intercourse?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely receiving more doctor referrals lately. Um, most of my doctor referrals have come regarding overactive bladder, which is basically just constantly having the urge to go to the bathroom. So I talked about urgency incontinence where you actually have leaking when you have that urge and there's an overactive bladder, which results in frequency, which is just going to the bathroom all the time during the day. So you'll have different tests done, um, investigations, and a lot of the time nothing will be found. And so I've had a couple doctor referrals mostly coming from urologists or gynecologists. I don't receive very many referrals from just family physicians and general physicians. Um, in terms of muscles, and painful intercourse. So painful intercourse can be caused by a variety of things. A lot of the time, if a client comes to me with that being their chief complaint of of painful intercourse, I usually ask about lubricant. Most of the time, painful intercourse will come from dryness and not being lubricated enough. So My women who are peri or postmenopausal, it's it's crucial that they use some form of lubricant because they will just have more vaginal dryness. When it has to do with the muscles, just think of it as when they come to you for a regular massage, deep tissue massage or relaxation, and your hands go over areas of tension, so those like knots and muscles, we can develop those in our pelvic floor as well just tension spots. And when having intercourse, there can be abutment or like hitting those tense spots. And it's just like when somebody pushes into a trigger point or into a knot in your neck or back, and it can kind of cause that sharp pain or achiness. Um, A lot of my clients will describe it as it just feels like he's hitting something or they're hitting something. Um, And then a lot of the time, once... And if they're using lubricant by middle and end of intercourse, it feels quite a bit better because the tension has released a little bit with all of the different hormones that are released during sex. And so if they describe anything as it feels like he's just hitting something and there's a sharp pain in my low back, or it feels very deep, usually my instinct is that there's some tension there. Um, But again, first, first and foremost, there has to be lubricant involved because vaginal dryness will cause the majority of um, pain with sexual intercourse.
0: And that's fascinating, Miranda. So my next question is like, what does like, I'm sure a lot of listeners listening to this are like, how on earth do you assess for this? Like, what does an assessment look like? So can you give the listeners a bit of an idea of what to expect when when they're going in for an assessment?
1: Yeah, so um, there is a, there's, there's a subjective assessment. So it's just like when you go see a massage therapist or a different physio, you talk about your problems. So a lot of my initial assessment is just talking. And with that being said, sometimes I don't even move beyond that because there is so much to discuss, especially if my clients have history of trauma or um, they just have discomfort of talking about it. Like you said, people are shy. So a lot of my first assessment is just building rapport and making them feel comfortable. If we have the time to move into the physical examination or the objective examination, sometimes if they're coming in with some low back or hip pain, I'll do a small orthopedic screen. So I'll just check their, their range of motion, their strength, um, if it's merited, I'll check reflexes, things like that. So I'll bring in my orthopedic skills, but just it's it's minimal. It's just a quick screen. And then I have them sign a consent form. And if they're comfortable, we move on with an internal exam. So as a, phys- as a pelvic floor physiotherapist, I am qualified and I have the skills to do internal exams. So this is vaginal um, and it can also involve rectal. Um, usually it's very odd for me to do a rectal exam on the first assessment because it can be uncomfortable unless my client is coming to me with severe tailbone pain and they're open to trying anything. Um, Tailbone pain is, is best treated via the rectum just because the majority of the posterior or the back pelvic floor muscles attached directly to the tailbone. And the only way for me to access the tailbone is through the rectum. So that is kind of a side note. Sometimes that happens. Usually I don't do rectal until the second or the third. And if my client is just having vaginal pain or pain with vaginal intercourse or urinary incontinence, I don't usually go into the the rectal exam. So the vaginal exam looks like basically I take a look at it. So I think that's part of what makes women feel so uncomfortable is that I'm looking at their vagina and their labias and um, basically that whole area. But it's, it's not really going to take up very much time. Basically, I'm just looking to see if there's any like skin irritation or any signs of growths or anything that I would have to send to the physician again. Um, I also check their their excursion or their their strength. So this is with what women understand as the Kegel. So I'll have them do a Kegel, or as I just, or as I what I call it, is a pelvic floor contraction. And I'm just checking to see if I can see any movement externally of the vagina. Um, I'm also looking to see if they're compensating a lot of women when they do a Kegel, they'll like squeeze their bum cheeks together. They'll use their abdomen. They'll squeeze their thighs. So that's just a general screen of their external strength. And then I also look for any prolapsing. So I talked about that, um, different organs can prolapse or basically they descend towards the vaginal entrance. And so I have to, be looking at it to assess for this. And basically I just have the client prop themselves up on the, on their elbows, bear down, like they're passing a bowel movement or I don't usually do it now, but the way we used to do it was just to have them cough. But with COVID, we don't, we don't ask people to cough. Um, And then I'm just checking to see if there's any descent. And with that, I can grade it and I can explain to the client how much descent I'm seeing, and if it goes back in, things like that. I also tend to do a quick abdominal assessment. So I'm just checking for any tenderness in the abdominal wall. Um, If they have C-section incisions, I check the incisions, um, things like that. And often what I find is that when women have tension or pain on one side of their abdomen, that's usually the side of the pelvic floor that's tight as well. And so... Once my external screen is done, I move into the actual internal. I start with one finger. I make sure that everybody's comfortable, um, that there's no pain. I never push through pain. So if there is pain, I've had clients where I've only made it to, like, the first knuckle of my single finger. And that was all we did for two or three internal exams because of that painful sex that I talked about like inability to have sex I don't push through pain I never make I never make my clients feel um like I'm disrespecting them or I'm moving beyond their comfort zone I'm constantly checking in once I'm in the vaginal introitus or the entrance I'll put a second finger in usually and then I just feel around the walls like think of it as a clock and I move sides up and back and up the top and I find any areas of tension and if my client reports pain then I do exactly what massage therapists do I just push gently on that area of tension and have them breathe and most often like 95% of the time that tension is relief released and then once I'm through with the tension release I'll check their strength internally and there sometimes i'll check their endurance and i'll check their ability to quickly contract um and then once that's all finished then i finish the internal exam let them get dressed we talk about what we found i give them some kind of exercise program usually it just involves deep breathing for the first bit and um and then i check up with them usually in a couple of weeks unless they're having severe pain then i'll check in with them sooner
0: and that brings me to my next question Miranda. So with pelvic floor, um, how does a person know, like, can they, do they need a special referral for pelvic floor? Or if a listener is listening to this and they have incontinence or, um, uh, painful intercourse or, uh, urgency with peeing, how do they know? Like if they would have to see their medical doctor or can they go to physio on their own? Or do they, like I said, do they need a special referral?
1: Uh, no, they don't, they don't need a special referral. Uh, sometimes it helps in terms of if a a different medical professional has come up with a diagnosis, um, then it's, it's a little bit easier for me to move forward. But then with that being said, sometimes I just like a clean slate and I'm the first professional they're seeing about it. Um, and then I can give them some education and understanding, but you do not need a special referral to see me. If I do get a referral, um, I've received referrals from, like I said, urologists, gynecologists, sometimes midwives as well, or doulas. Um, I just make sure that I do send a summary report to that professional that my client was referred by, so that if my client follows up with that other professional and myself, that we're all understanding where we are, we're all on the same page.
0: I was listening to the radio, uh, oh gosh, about a month ago now, and they had a physiotherapist on there talking about power peeing. Now, Miranda, you and I at the clinic, we we were talking about that once, and, and I want you to talk to the listeners about that. Is is power peeing bad for our pelvic floor muscles? Because, uh, I mean, let's face it, if women are in a rush, sometimes they're in a grocery store or wherever, they got to go find a place to go to the bathroom. Is Is power peeing like, does that wreck your pelvic floor muscles?
1: That's a good question. I think that, I think that saying that it, it wrecks your pelvic floor muscle would be um, not helpful to women because sometimes we can't, we can't help it. Like you said, you're in a rush um, between clients or you're on a road trip or something. Um, there are some risks associated with it. However, so Um, pushing or straining to pee I usually ask my clients this on the first assessment as well just because it can predispose you to getting some organ prolapse and the reason why that is is because you're pushing so you're increasing your intrathoracic pressure it's just like when you cough or you sneeze Um, you're pushing down, you're bearing down to get the pee out quick, it can cause the organs to descend. And if you don't have a strong pelvic floor, that can cause that organ prolapse. So it can um, lower to the entrance or sometimes come out. But I do want to say that with an organ prolapse, it is not a medical emergency. It is a functional problem. So it's, it's more the like the sensation of heaviness and pressure between your legs feeling like there's something that's going to come out nothing is going to fall out of you um it's just that it can come out of the introitus or the vaginal opening opening and it's uncomfortable but it's not a reason to panic that you like i'm getting surgery there's nothing else there are surgical options but um with research how it's going right now pelvic floor physio is the place you should start i've helped I've helped half a dozen women, maybe closer to a dozen now with who had severe prolapse. And then they, by the end of our treatments, they were completely comfortable. They didn't even know it was there anymore. And at that point that is considered a resolved prolapse. So that is one of the risks with straining to pee. Also just instinctively, I feel like pushing can cause a an increase in tension in the pelvic floor as well. So you can develop some tension with that, um, which can, like I said, it can cause some pain um, and it can also lead to incontinence as well. But the main reason why it is not advised to strain or power pee is the the risk of prolapse.
0: And what are your thoughts, Miranda, on women going for bladder surgery lifts? Um, I've had some clients in the past that have had uh problems with urgency or frequency to urinate uh and they've gone and had their bladder lifted um can pelvic floor prevent surgery or is the surgery uh sort of a last resort because the pelvic floor muscles are just not strong enough
1: Yeah so I think every case is unique and different um I personally would advise pelvic floor physio before going in for a surgery, just just like as in any any other surgery that you might get. Um, If somebody tears something in their rotator cuff, for example, or in their shoulder, they usually choose to see a physiotherapist first before going in for the reparative surgery. So just in terms of like the trauma to your body and the recovery and everything, it's it's more advised to see a pelvic floor physio first, in my opinion. Um, I have, I have prevented. So this was just a one, this is a one case scenario that I had an elderly woman that I was seeing and, um, she was preparing or on the wait list for not a bladder lift, but well, yeah, I guess it was a, I think it was her uterus, but some kind of mesh to lift Everything and she was on a wait list, and so she was just seeing me in the meantime. she didn't know what it was that I was going to be doing, but she had heard something, and I think I saw her four times, and she was completely comfortable and didn't really feel like she needed to have a surgery um, after seeing me so. Those those cases do exist. Sometimes pelvic floor physio is what you need. You just need a little bit of education and guidance and cueing to build a mind-body connection. You strengthen just like you strengthen any other muscle in your body. And sometimes you don't need a surgery. But there are going to be instances where, like you said, like the pelvic floor muscles are just not going to be able to get strong enough. But I would say that surgery is a last resort for pelvic floor and other pelvic floor physios might think differently. But I just think that if you can avoid doing something that severe um, and it's going to cause trauma to the muscles and the body and the recovery and everything, I just think pelvic floor physio would be a, a place to start rather than surgery.
0: And you were just mentioning, Miranda, about the body-mind connection and with recovery. Um, How does the nervous system play a role in urgency to pee or the bowel issues? And can you explain sensitization um, and the whole body-mind triad triad with uh, sensitization?
1: Yeah, so... The nervous system is a huge, huge player in pelvic floor health and uh, specifically, like you said, urgency. So the best way to describe and explain how the nervous system is involved is is that it serves as um, like a light switch. So signals are sent to the brain from the tissues and then the brain decides what to do with that information. So Basically, for pelvic floor urgency specifically, you think about when I think we've all done this growing up and as parents, poten- uh, potentially, when you're going on a road trip, or you're going to leave the house for a while, you're going grocery shopping, you say, okay, um, I'm just going to pee just in case or kids, everybody go pee. And they're like, I don't have to go pee. Just go anyways. Um, I definitely was raised that way. I think that's a pretty normal Um, experience for people but what that does those just in case peas is you're basically teaching your brain and your nervous system that you have to void your bladder sooner than you actually need to so your bladder can hold a lot more urine than we know I think I think it's four liters but it might be less around three Um, but either way the bladder holds a lot more urine than we think and so with those just-in-case pees, we're basically teaching our nervous system that we have to pee more frequently and with an emptier bladder than we actually would need to void. So over time, our nervous system is sensitized or think of it like a dirt road being paved. So that road is going to get used a lot more. It's easier um, and it's quicker. So those signals are going to be sent more frequently. And that's why with urinary incontinence, with urgency incontinence specifically, women will have that frequency problem. So they're going pee more than they should be a day. And that always varies depending on how much water you drink, things like that. But on average, you should go pee around eight times a day and you shouldn't wake up more than once a night to go pee. Um, And so the nervous system becomes sensitized. So that is what the relationship is with urgency and continence. So the way to treat that would be to train your nervous system or desensitize the nervous system to learn that you can wait longer to pee. So the first, the first line of treatment for that is you get the urge to go pee you wait 10 to 15 minutes you distract yourself sometimes I'll have my clients do some deep breathing I'll have them do some reverse kegels or some of the exercises do a yoga practice when that time passes that 10 or 15 minutes and the urge is still there my client is to slowly make their way to the bathroom don't rush and calmly go pee if the urge goes away after that 10, 15 minutes, then I have my client continue on with their day. Um, so that is how you treat urgency, and that's how you treat the nervous system in terms of urgency. The nervous system can also be involved with pain. So um, this applies to, to orthopedic physio as well, like anybody in the area. If you've been struggling with pain for a long time, specifically three months, you are highly, highly predisposed and likely have central sensitization. So what that means is it's that light switch analogy again. So your nervous system has taped that on switch to be on. And so the pain signal gets sent a lot more frequently with things that shouldn't have been painful before. Now they're painful. And um, the pain is usually described as like very generalized. So like my whole body hurts my hips, my knees, my feet, um, a lot of like my fibromyalgia clients will come in, um, endometriosis and myofascial pain syndrome. Those are some diagnosis that a lot of my clients will have. And those conditions are, are hallmark conditions for central sensitization, meaning that they have like full body aches and pains and nothing seems to help. All of the images come back clear. They've gone for ultrasound, MRI, CT scans, everything. And everything comes back clear and it's frustrating to them because they still have the pain, but they don't have an explanation for it. And that is central sensitization. Your brain is sending a pain signal constantly at lower thresholds. So that's kind of, um, I guess another way to describe it is that there is a pain threshold that has been lowered, meaning you feel pain more like sooner and with things that weren't painful before. So The nervous system is involved with urgency, but it is also involved with pain and it is involved with tension as well. So you can just have tension. Think about like neck and shoulders. Like we all have tension there when you're stressed, when you're anxious, when you're nervous, when you're going through different um, problems in life. We hold all of our tension there. It's the same as the pelvic floor. Our pelvic floor holds tension just like our neck does. And so going through those types of events, stress Anxiousness, nervousness, depression—any of that um, can sensitize the the tone of our pelvic floor, and therefore can cause that persistent pelvic floor pain.
0: Right now, I'm reading a book called The Way Out, uh, and it was uh, mentioned actually by uh, Miam Balak from The Big Bang Theory, and she has actually a. she actually is a neuroscience uh, graduate and 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 it, this book basically talks about how the brain really is so powerful in holding pain um, mm-hmm. and just how a lot of a lot of pain or that doesn't go away is often linked to our neural pathways in our brain uh, so what you're mentioning there is is correlates a lot with what I'm reading in the book um yeah. Does pelvic floor issues affect men as well as women, Miranda?
1: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely does. I don't personally treat men at this time. Um, there was one in Calgary, but I I can't remember her name, but there are there are physio pelvic floor physios who will specialize and or just treat both sexes. And so some conditions that men might come see a pelvic floor physio for would be, um, incontinence as well. Urinary incontinence. A lot of the time clients or men who have had prostatectomies. So post prostate cancer, um, will struggle with urinary incontinence. And it's just, it's, if not just as embarrassing, it can be even more embarrassing for men. And I think that there needs to be more advocacy for male pelvic floor physio um, and normalizing it and taking away the stigma, just like we've been working on with female um, pelvic floor physio. So the urinary incontinence can exist also pain with intercourse. So pain with erection, um, inability to get erection or um, there's other ones as well. So, so the low back pain and the hip pain, like that can all be correlated to the pelvic floor as well. Like men have pelvic floors just like women. They hold tension just like women. And when you have tension in your pelvic floor, you will have weakness. I don't think I've mentioned that yet, but having tension in your pelvic floor will basically inhibit its ability to fully contract and have the highest force production and excursion possible. So it's like trying to do a bicep curl when your arm is at, 105 110 degrees flexion you're trying to produce strength and force but you because the the muscle is shortened and there's tension there it won't be as effective so men can struggle with that as well and if they don't have the strength there they will have incontinence with coughing sneezing laughing jumping all of the same reasons why women do so men who struggle with those things tend to keep it more quiet I think and it's just based on society and gender norms and all of the things that we've we've set in place and um social constructs and all those things so I highly highly recommend that men seek out that care um I know there are some that sh- I think there's a couple in Airdrie too I don't specifically treat them but I could find that information if any men or any young man is struggling with that type of thing. There are, there are resources out there, even just like readability, like finding some brochures or websites to read through to better understand it. Cause anything to do with sexual function or incontinence pelvic floor is, is highly, highly effective on someone's quality of life. And it can lead to a lot of, um, like mental health issues and shame and guilt and things that people should not be struggling with. So there are resources for males as well in terms of public floor physio.
0: That's awesome to know, Miranda. And that's, uh, you know, a big reason why I'm doing this podcast is so that people, you know, if they're at work and they're working a night shift and they're driving truck or they're driving a bobcat or whatever, or a woman's in her office, or she 's walking her dog that people have access to this information uh privately uh so they're not watching a video in front of their colleagues or their family you know it's a, It helps give information I think out there to people in a more um, more private way I suppose is a good way of putting it <laughs> okay. um do do car accidents? If somebody's been in a motor vehicle accident, Miranda, does that uh, low back pain could that potentially affect pelvic floor muscles as well?
1: You know, I haven't, I haven't specifically seen a post motor vehicle accident client for pelvic floor. I have seen a workers' compensation board client, um, so it can cause issues. So think about when. And if there is um, a high impact, um, rear-ending, or T-bone, or something, your low back and the spinal muscles, like our neck and shoulders, our glutes, or our um, basically all of our postural muscles, will tense up. And so, it is only natural for the pelvic floor muscles to also tense up. And a lot of the time, muscles with time will release and they'll relax on their own. Um, but like many, many people know, sometimes you do need some some rehab after. You need some physiotherapy to help relax the muscles or massage therapy to help release tension and work on breath work and things like that. But with the pelvic floor, it can just hold tension and then it will just continue to hold tension. So I w- again, I haven't... Specifically treated this, but I would not be surprised if maybe some women or men who have been in a motor vehicle accident notice that they're having some stress incontinence. That afterwards they're noticing that when they cough they they leak they never did before, um, or they can't get to the bathroom on time, and that kind of ties back in the nervous system stuff. When you've had a motor vehicle accident, depending on the severity of it and what the context was, it can be extremely traumatic and. Um, it can cause things like PTSD and um, anxiousness and inability to sleep and nightmares and things like that. And so just the whole nervous system can be hyped up again. And so going to a physiotherapist that can educate on the pain system and the nervous system and how to desensitize and how to relax and how to um, bring in techniques like relaxation, breath work, meditation, grounding, body scans, all of those things in addition to the tissue treatment is the best way to get the most success out of the rehab and I think that it's it's starting to that is starting to spread throughout orthopedic physio um, but I do know that with my training for pelvic floor it was, It was just, it was driven home that the nervous system and trauma and um, looking at the person as a whole human being and their experiences is critical to treatment in any body part. And so thinking about all of the factors that can go into a motor vehicle accident, um, why people struggle after a motor vehicle accident for up to two years, um, it can have a lot more to do with the nervous system than I think people know. And if, if they're just getting physical tissue treatment and not having that understanding and that education, I think that a lot of the benefit is missed. And I think the, the best possible outcomes aren't possible.
0: You know a lot about sensitization, uh, Miranda, and you seem to have a lot of uh, skill sets or specialties other than pelvic floor. Can you uh, mention to the listeners everything that you do specialize in?
1: Yeah. So I, like you said, and like we've been talking about, I am a pelvic floor physio. So I do that half the time. So right now I'm working six days a week. So I do pelvic floor three of those six. And then I also do orthopedic physio. So that's just your basic um, neck pain, shoulder pain, back pain, hip pain, foot pain, um, any body part. Um, But In terms of specialization, I do tend to bring in the nervous system and the pain system more often, and I'll have my clients do different questionnaires, and I'll have them um, try different types of meditation techniques as well, which doesn't jive with some people, and if it doesn't work, that's okay. We'd move on, but I've had good success with it. I also do dry needling, so intramuscular stimulation. So that is... um, a westernized needling technique that uses the same needles as acupuncture but is an entirely different um approach and skill set so um just say you have a really tight neck um chronic tension so that persistent tension more than 3 months um can become very difficult to release and um getting it treated with massage therapy. Sometimes they'll see Cairo, um, and even physiotherapists who will do trigger points and cupping and all the different techniques. If the trigger point is deep, um, the tension is deep and long standing. The best way to treat it is with a needle. Basically you put the needle into where the knot is the tight spot. You move the needle in and out and the muscle will contract and twitch. And it's basically like resetting a computer. Like the whole muscle will just reset. Um, yes it is uncomfortable but the immediate relief is always worth it i've never had a client who said that it didn't work for them or um if it didn't work for them it was because the pain well the pain and it's not it's, it's not really painful to get needling it's just something our body's not used to our, our brain doesn't know how to perceive the sensation of that twitch that the contraction so it's perceived as uncomfortable but, um, that's my other specialty. And I do bring that in with my pelvic floor clients. So if I have a client who is having pelvic floor tension, stress incontinence, painful intercourse, um, I usually do not usually, I always ask about the low back. If there's any pain, if there's any hip pain, um, and I will integrate some dry needling into my pelvic floor sessions. So I'll either before or after, depending on what the client wants, I'll do the internal exam. I'll treat the internal muscles and then I'll do a couple needles in their glutes and their low backs, um, hamstrings anywhere. Sometimes I even do it in their upper traps and their necks. Cause we hold tension there. And it's the, and it just brings in the whole idea of like, I'm treating the whole body. I'm treating the whole system. Pelvic floor is more than just the internal structures. So pelvic floor physio, sorry. Um, so those are kind of my specialties. So I guess I get I get a lot of the persistent, the chronic pain clients um, and people who are seeking needling specifically and then the pelvic floor as well.
0: Well, thank you for being on the show today, Miranda, and talking to me about this and sharing all this information with the listeners. I know as a massage therapist, my clients tend to not divulge this sort of information to me. And I think a lot of people just don't think it's related to massage therapy. And so they, therefore they don't share these types of concerns or issues with massage therapists. Um, how do listeners get a hold of you, Miranda, to book an appointment or get a consultation with you? And do you, uh, can you share a website or an email address as well?
1: Yeah, so I work out of Airgy Physiotherapy and Massage. So if you just Google that clinic um, and look at the team, you'll find me there and you can book online. Um, My email is my name, Miranda, M-A-R-H-A-N-D-A at airdrephysio.com. So if um, clients want to check in with me first to see if it's appropriate to come and see me um, or ask some questions to get some clarification, they can definitely reach out that way um they can also call the clinic so if you go to that website again the airdrie physiotherapy massage and um they can ask the front desk like why people come in and see me i talked about it a little bit today but the front desk has some understanding of that as well so where to kind of um lead people and yeah like just reach out anytime uh emailing is fine you can call the clinic call me specifically through the clinic so just ask to speak to me if I have time I'll talk to you and just come see me I would love to help all of the all of the women it is it is so exciting that I have clients come into me who have had three to five of their friends come see me and they've just I'm I think my name is getting out there a little bit more each day and I'm I'm definitely getting busier and I love it it's my it's my favorite area of physiotherapy for sure. And I'm just eager to help all the people. So even just coming in for, for a chat, um, and we can see where things go. I would love it.
0: Well, and you do change lives, Miranda, you, um, You're loved by a lot of your clients. Uh, I know you've had lots of really good reviews and and people really enjoy treatments with you. And and you do, you change lives and you help people self-esteem. You improve people's quality of life. And um, I think you're a great uh, therapist. So thank you again for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. It was so much fun.
0: And have a wonderful day. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back after this message. I'm your blind spot. And my job is easy. Hide big things. You're good. And with your cut rate insurance, you could be paying for this yourself. So get all stayed. You can save money and be better protected from mayhem like me. Mayhem is everywhere. So get an Allstate agent. Are you in good hands? Contact Twyla Nicholson covering all of Alberta. 587-317-9398. Holistic Journeys will be a monthly podcast where I not only discuss my passion for holistic health, but I also get to talk to owners, practitioners, and students from around the world that practice various modalities, and believe me, there are many. From Canada to the U.S. to the Southern Hemisphere, I will uncover these modalities and learn how they can help. You can reach me at info at luminarymassagetherapy.com, or on Facebook at Holistic Journeys Podcast, or on Instagram At Luminary Massage, please rate, comment, and subscribe on any podcast app.